Welcome to Military Network Radio, where we'll bring dynamic interviews and fresh information about topics affecting your quality of life at each stage of your military service. Join us each week for information of value that improves your outlook, actions, and encourages each member of the family. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Everyone serves, and together we make a difference. And now, here's your host, Linda Crater. Good morning, and we welcome you to our show today. We're going to be talking to Lisa Colella, founder of Healing Household 6. And this organization, uh, I came to know Lisa through the caregiver community. And, you know, so much attention is paid to showcasing a lot of services that are needed for uh, veterans and families, etc. But not a lot is on supporting the caregivers in a family situation where a lot of tensions may rise, where there are strains and stresses that others don't really realize because it is a rather small community of five and a half million caregivers, if you look at the billions in our country. And it's interesting that we are going to focus on this show today about caregivers and essential resources that will strengthen the Family Support Foundation for these families who have served and continue to serve. And again, everyone serves, and only together can we make a difference. So, Lisa, welcome to our show today. Thank you for having me. I And I neglected to mention my host, co-host with me, Les Davis. Les is here as well. Good morning, Les. Uh, good morning. Good morning. I'm, I'm excited about this show to learn as much to learn about. I, I'm, this, this is a great organization. That, uh, I'm always uh, real happy to be part of learning something new, and about this, about, especially about this organization. Me too. So, Lisa, let's start right in. What is the backstory on Healing Household 6? the name, how you came to found it, and how it evolved into what it has become today. Well, Healing Household 6 really was a joint effort. We started in just a small peer support group, a uh, peer support group on Facebook, and the caregivers that would join our group were either in rural areas where they weren't finding much support with the larger larger organizations or they were having some type of family turmoil that they were afraid to share with those larger organizations and with the VA. So a group of us came together and we decided that we were just going to to make an organization that really focused on healing the trauma that comes with caring for a wounded warrior, whether it's physically or mentally caring, and what we could do for them and their children to just ease the burden and kind of alleviate the stress for them. That's a huge goal. It's huge. <laughs> and and that's what we're going to delve into in the next hour. I'd like you to unpack that goal because you have given a great succinct definition on how you came to found the organization. But who do you serve, support, how do you reach them, how do they reach you, and what are some of the issues that have become very much associated with your organization? Well, first, we we serve all caregivers. So that is one thing that makes us a little bit unique, whether you're a sibling, a parent, a spouse, a child, and through all of the eras. So we do not have any terms when it comes to that. And as we grow, um, 
we have made some partnerships. You know, we worked we've worked with you, Linda, to to get our names out there, and we've worked with the Independence Fund, with the Red Cross. We also have partnerships with the Elizabeth Dole Foundation and through several military installations by using their Wounded Warrior Recovery Centers. So all of our information is spread throughout, and we also have Facebook platforms and things of that nature. So we're able to reach quite a large group, we feel. Um, We also work with the Intimate Partner Violence Board for the actual Department of Veterans Affairs and with Meg Cabot. So our information is disseminated to anybody who's a paid caregiver, anyone who's called the hotline, and anyone that's been to an installation where their spouse or sibling or parent is staying in those wounded warrior recovery units. So we have quite a a broad reach. And the way that we get people involved is that we have them sign up to join one of our support groups. We have three support groups. We have one for divorce and domestic violence. We have one for widows um, after a suicide or a KIA or anything of that nature. And then we have a third that's for general caregivers. And that includes spouses, siblings, parents, children, things of that nature. And really what we want to do is we want to get as many people involved in that peer support model because we find that when you offer peer support, it gives you a sense of purpose, somebody to check in with every day so that we know that you're okay. Well, you bring up the, a huge point. I'm sorry, Les. You go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to ask when you were talking about the who do you reach, and you said caregiver. Is there a? Uh, I know we've talked about caregiver a lot on 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 shows, especially on a lot of Linda shows. Is there is is there is there come to terms with like a definition of a caregiver? Is that just the spouse, or it could be could it be some Mm-mm. other family member? To anybody? I mean, what? It could be anybody. It could be a brother, sister. Absolutely. Friend. Mm-hmm. It can be anyone that fills the role of assisting the veteran with day to day life. And that doesn't necessarily mean physically assist either. We have lots of caregivers that are just a mental buffer between the veteran and the outside world, helping them to understand what someone has said to them, help keeping them mentally safe from harm, or, or maybe even just helping them to interpret the daily life around them. Maybe if they have a traumatic brain injury or something of that nature. So caregiver is kind of a broad term that is, it is difficult to unpack, but from our view and for many people like Linda, a caregiver is anyone who assists the veteran in any kind of life situation that they need assistance with due to their injury. And I think that's a really, really important point because I think that even among caregivers, there is confusion over what what is the difference between mental health caregiving versus physical caregiving or the combination, the hybrid, both? And interpreting the growing knowledge, I have a term that I coined a long time ago that drives me out of my mind, and I know that you've run into this as well, and that's competitive caregiving because I don't tolerate it. When I and I just because I don't think we've mentioned it, I run veterancaregiver.com. So it's a community that of just like Lisa's talking about, caregivers. But competitive caregiving has no place because everyone's issues are their own and they all deserve support. I agree with that. At HH6, we typically see more on the mental caregiving side than we do the physical side. But our partners at the Independence Fund are who we use to help us with navigating 
the, those with physical injuries, mm-hmm. whether they need certain um, items from the VA that they're not getting, or if they need um, certain things from their house being um, vamped up to help them navigate. Right. So we do have partners with those, but we feel the same way. We feel that caregiving is daunting mentally and physically, no matter which side of the line you sit on. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm glad you both define that, define that the caregiver, I, it, because we keep saying it, and I and I heard about it. Matter of fact, it's, it's you know the president uses it, you know. Then we, you know, and it's also um, as somebody who is not in that not in that realm, and, and as versed as both of you are. Um, that definition you just gave of the caregiver, it re- could really help us out. You know, the guys that, you know, like me who aren't, you know, really into that uh, or don't have the base knowledge of it. But the, I love the fact that you can have a caregiver can, can be that mentor or that person who helps that veteran with the TBI or PTSD or, or physical conditions just get, get, just get through the day-to-day. Because I can tell you by, by working with trans, just transitioning veterans, um, there's a lot of us out there that, um, who initially transitioned, who could really use that, that mentorship. They could just be as simple as that. I didn't, and so that's why I wanted to, that's why I asked that question about a better definition of caregiver. Glad that you did, because mentorship, peer support, they're very closely aligned. They say- I agree with that. I agree that it is it is closely aligned. And that's why I want, with us, peer support is so important, because Who's caring for the caregiver? And that's really what we're all about is taking care of the caregivers. Well, and, you know, it's, it's interesting. There's been a pendulum swing. Uh, the caregivers didn't feel like they could practice any self-care. They didn't feel like they could even share what they were doing as little as maybe five years ago. And I think it's opened up now. I think there are more organizations. We are all working in partnership together uh, it's more of a team effort, it appears. And I think the word is getting out. And part of that is because in the United States, the number of caregivers is growing exponentially, not just in the military community, but also in the civilian community. And the needs are quite similar, just different medical systems. So as you have evolved with Healing Household 6, have you seen a difference? We're coming up on a break, but let's start now and we'll continue into the next time. Have you seen a difference in the needs of what you first saw when you began the peer support and the issues and things you're seeing today? So let's start that answer and we'll continue after the break. Okay. I do see that there is a difference. I see that there's less new caregivers coming onto the field mm-hmm. with not knowing the right tools. They're getting better help in that active duty stage. So the new caregivers, they have more of a support system in the beginning because we know more than we did five, mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Um, and then I see more of the pre 9-11 veteran spouses right. and caregivers coming out and saying, hey, I kind of need some support here even if it's just a friend. Mm-hmm. So that that's another difference. And then the third thing I would say is that we're starting to see caregivers realizing that self-care doesn't have to be a hotel, a luxurious spa, a retreat. It can be simply putting a bath bomb in the tub and relaxing for 20 minutes. And so we're getting a new idea of self-care out there. And I think that's really important. I do too. And if it involves going out and sitting in the car with the music on high for 10 minutes as a break, that works too. Absolutely. You know, sometimes the simplest solutions really come to hand when you can't do the bigger ones. Mm -hmm. So we will continue talking about 
this organization, Healing Household 6, with Lisa Colella, and peer support and mentorship and knowing you're not alone is huge. And I think that knowing that there's an organization that's specifically dealing with tangibly helping find those resources in the community to help caregivers is very, very important. We will go in a short break. But we'll be back. Stay with us. Lisa Colella, Healing Household 6. You can find them at healinghousehold6.org. We'll talk in a few minutes. Stay with us. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Are you looking for something more in your life or business? More success? More stability? More happiness? It's all out there waiting for you, but it doesn't just happen. You've got to go get it. Make it happen with Michelle McCullough, where motivation and strategy intersect. Michelle is a serial entrepreneur, acclaimed speaker, and the WooHoo Radio Network's resident business and success strategist. Michelle has the smart strategies and experience to help you improve your life and take your business to the next level. You've got big dreams. You've got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen. It's words you never heard. Which U.S. state would you guess has the fastest talkers? Recent research by analytics company MarchX revealed that the nation's fastest talkers come from Oregon, Minnesota, Massachusetts, Kansas, and Iowa. What about New York, you ask? New York ranked near the bottom at 38. But New Yorkers do use more words. A New Yorker will use 62% more words than someone from Iowa who have the same basic conversation. What's another word for fast talking? Tachylaya. America's slow-spoken or tardiloquent talkers were from North Carolina, Alabama, South Carolina, Louisiana, and Mississippi. What's a word for someone who likes to say the same thing over and over? A batologist. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Lisa, let's talk about why is it important for our listeners to know about your organization? What is the depth and breadth of those being affected in families from every age, you know, our our older era vets to our current ones and caregivers covers a very broad range as we've already defined. Tell a couple of stories, how your organization has touched hearts and actually saved lives. I think that first it's very important to mention that the pre 9-11 caregiver era is one that we are really focused on. And that is really because that specific age group, that specific era has a very difficult time coming forward when they're experiencing marital issues or when they're experiencing domestic violence. So our our parents and our grandparents, these were things that they never spoke about. And so it's really important that we reach those women. And we we have one specific woman who had come to us a few years ago, and she had just been experiencing domestic violence for a long time. But the term of domestic violence now to what it was in her 20s was not the same. Mm -hmm. She was not being hit. She was not being physically harmed at all. 
But what was happening is that she was not being allowed to go out in public. She was living in a home where the blinds were always drawn. She was living in a situation where she had left her career to take care of her her husband, who was a Vietnam veteran. And although he didn't have physical injuries, he had these mental injuries, which we spoke about, is really exhausting. And she came to us and she said, I don't want to leave my husband. I, I don't believe in divorce. But what I need from you is someone to sit down and help me speak to him mm-hmm. and to set boundaries and to know that I'm not alone in this. And so we set her up with peer support. We set her up with another caregiver who's married to a Vietnam veteran who was in a thriving, prosperous marriage, who had taken some peer support classes, mentoring classes through our modules with the Red Cross. And through that, they were able in about six months to teach her some really great coping skills. Mm -hmm. They were able to teach her how to lay boundaries when she was being spoken to in ways that she she wasn't crazy about. And they were able to teach her ways to communicate in a much nicer manner with her veteran when he was upset rather than retaliating and just creating this constant roller coaster of equally being treated badly. So that is a really big one for us that we reach those pre 9-11 caregivers because we find that they don't have that support system they need to address marriage and family concerns. You know, Lisa, I think you hit a point there about the, 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 an older generation. I'm a, I'm a golf war era veteran and, it, it is not something that you really spoke about at home. You know, it was, it, and this is, we first start hearing about caregiver and peer support with the post 9-11 after this. And there was nothing after the first Gulf War, as you know. So um, the the idea of, hey, you're not alone, probably speaks a lot of, it probably speaks volumes to that era, you know, a spouse, you know, military spouse or, you know, veteran, veteran, um, do you see that? I know you just said a Vietnam veteran era, but do you see that also with the Gulf War, the first Gulf War, you know, in, in that era of veteran as well? We do. And we actually find that there's a little bit of a difference with the Gulf War vets. They typically don't even go onto Facebook forums and say, and, and say, I'm a Gulf War veteran. Um, and their care, caregivers sometimes feel as if, they don't belong in any of the groups. They mm-hmm. sometimes feel like there should be like a middle, like a Vietnam and under and then the Gulf War and then over. And they are really stuck in this place where they don't know how to talk about the things that go on in their home. They don't know how to talk about their husband's feelings because those veterans, just like you, I imagine, kind of feel lost in that middle gap. And they don't know how to talk to their veterans about making them feel like their service is just as important as everyone else. So we do have a decent amount of those caregivers that we try to hook up with peer support, but what we provide them looks a little bit different. Um, a lot of them aren't aware of what that war was really like. Some of them were married after. Um, so we try to provide education about what the Gulf War was, the things that happened with the different units there, just to try to give them a sense of it wasn't, you know, it wasn't shown on the news widely as as much as other conflicts. And so we want to make sure that they're educated about the war so that when their husbands or sister or wives open up to them, they have a good knowledge base. And then we start with the peer support. No, and I, I couldn't agree more. We are stuck in that middle because it was such, it was over so fast. You know, you go, we were deployed, mm-hmm. and then we came home. It was, it was just done. And then 
a lot of medical issues came out. I mean, you, you, you obviously you've read, you know, some Gulf War syndrome stuff, and then everything that came out of that it has been just uh, awful with with spouses and, and the Gulf War childrens. Um, have you had any dealings with with Gulf War kids and and or spouses with Gulf War kids? We have, and those children, I think, also feel as if they don't fit in properly. Um, of course, that age group is very, very wide age group. And so, yeah. you know, a lot of the military organizations for children, they focus on, you know, that 15-year-old and under with their their talking apps and with their child retreats and things like that. Um but I think that's why I really like Melissa Camo at MBCN um, with the Red Cross. They have a, a platform, the Military Veteran Caregiver Network, and they have a lot of different peer support groups that that we um, monitor with them. And they do have one that's specific to, to children so that they can talk about the needs that they have because they are very different than what we are experiencing now. It's a tough – I, I understand that. It is it, it, that – you know, dealing with my my middle son, who is in, um, was is considered a golf uh child with his uh, with his disability. So it's um, and you're right, we don't seek. I've never sought uh, to get into any kind of group with him, or I've just always, you know, you're normal. You know, you're you're doing well. You know, not not hiding it because he's not a a disabled kid as dis- disabilities go, but he is, you know, there's some, there are some issues there. So I've never sought out that any kind of support group, but I'll bet there if, you know, going further researching with your group, that there would be some kind of support group that I could find for him. Absolutely. And if we don't offer a support group that someone needs when they come to us for support, we find them one. So we maybe not, we might not be the best fit for everyone, but we have a network with the Red Cross that has, I think, I don't even know. I think it's over 20 different support groups now. And we can find one either with us or with them. So we always tell people, even if you feel like you're not included in what we're speaking about, come talk to us anyway, because we will help anyone. If you come to us, we will find you peer support. We may be able to find you a local chapter that can support you or an online chapter to support you. And and funny, I said as a joke a few years back, and if we didn't can't find you one, we'll make you one. Right. And all these widows came <laughs> and they said, please make us one. And I said, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. Right. Um, but now we have the widows group up and running. And so so my always my answer is, is if we can't find it for you, we will create it for you. And you know, I'm so have. happy that you that uh, I'm so happy that you, you serve all era veterans, because that is that is one of the things that we have seen, especially with what we've done on the show here, as we're focused on this generation, we're focused on this generation. So it's really refreshing to hear you say that, yeah, you focus on all era veterans because there, there's the needs are similar throughout the throughout the veteran community. They really are. They really are similar. Well, and it's important that we do differentiate, though, between the differences that are there. So I, mm-hmm. I think it's widely appreciated that there is specificity to some of the groups. It's it's excellent to recognize all caregivers for the contributions yeah. that they give, but truly helps when you can take it down to the essence of the specific issues that concern each era in each group. And and that's a really important point. Anything else you'd like to differentiate on the stories, how you've 
touched lives. I, I know that the emphasis on um, intimate partner violence has been growing recently. Do you think there's a reason for that? I think that we're coming to a, a place in time where all across the country, whether civilian or military, women and men are they're coming forward and speaking about things that were taboo in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, you're always going to have those people that go, Oh, well they should have said something years ago, or that just wasn't how it was. So I think that's why we're seeing it in the military community now. And intimate partner violence is very close to our heart. And a lot of those stories are, are too graphic to share openly, mm-hmm. but we do, we have printed some with Hearts of Valor. Um, we we have printed some of the cases where we have relocated children and relocated spouses. And, and we have had to do that for, we have even had to help veterans leave um, situations that weren't good for them as well. So even though we are caregiver focused, if a veteran does come to us that's experiencing intimate partner violence, we would help him or her get to the right place so that they're safe. And I'm grateful that we are talking about, we've done many shows on intimate partner violence and context and caregiving and uh, comorbid conditions and all kinds of things, even um, military sexual trauma and, and all of these carryover things that are difficult to talk about. So having the knowledge of groups that they can join or to find peer support is critically important and you know, we're, we're coming up on another break and we'll start another issue. I would love to hear what you think is the most meaningful accomplishment of Healing Household 6. We can go after the break to complete your thoughts. So what's the mean, most meaningful accomplishment? Um, the most meaningful accomplishment for us is really working with the Department of Veteran Affairs to get the intimate partner violence coordinators into their locations. Mm-hmm. That is something that, while it's brand new, it took a very long time with people that you've had on your show, April Girl Block, and, and right. all of those women working together to let people know that we're very serious about this and we're not going to back down. And so now the VA has in almost every region and they have an intimate partner violence coordinator to help caregivers and veterans. So that I think is our biggest accomplishment within the system. And it was important. And that came through uh, the department of social work was working on that when we were talking to April Gerlach at that point, because I don't think they realized the need was as great and as profound as it was. And so you know, nicely, there's been budget put toward it and off it goes. So it's really very, very helpful. And we will continue on talking about the goals of Healing Household 6 when we come back from our break. And again, if you want to follow along while we're talking, the website is healinghousehold6, the number 6.org. And we're talking with Lisa Colella, the founder and the executive director of Healing Household 6. We'll be back after these messages. And we hope you'll listen for ways that you can find information to help those who may not know where to find it or that it even exists. We'll be right back. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages.
congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. You're like me. Sometimes you have trouble choosing between being a couch potato or going out. Hey, it's a big decision for us scabberlatchers. A scabberlatcher or a ragabash is another word for a lazy person. Well, a couple from California seems to have solved the problem by inventing a motorized sofa. You may think they're just spinning their wheels, but people have spotted the couple cruising down the street on their drivable Davenport in West Los Angeles and Santa Monica. No word yet on the couple's identity, but a man claiming to be a relative said it's all well within the norm for his fun-loving cousin. I don't know if this Chesterfield on wheels is street legal, but either way, I think the police would have to put up quite a chase before they could couch him. It's Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. I, I personally love the camaraderie of the guests and our hosts talking on these breaks because we come up with questions that if we have them, we're pretty certain some of our listeners have them as well. And Les, I think you had a couple of questions. So I'll turn it to you. I did. No, thank you. Uh, thank you, Linda. And, and Lisa, before, before, we get, before I get to the question, I want, I, I want to go to your website, uh, healinghouseofsis.org, because I want to make everybody aware uh, of your of your donation button when I when I seen it I was like this is something that's really good something's needed everybody needs donations what I love about it though is you can do the one time donation or you can push and do a monthly donation so if you want to continue the support onward it's it's a it's a great way to support your efforts. Yes, and the website is really user friendly. Um, it has just a short blurb about what we're about, and then across the top it has tabs for you to access different information. And what I really love, which is, I feel unique to, to our website, is that we have the different categories that caregivers might need information on listed. So for, for instance, maybe traumatic brain injury or intimate partner violence. And we've posted all of the studies that have been done on veterans for the last, you know, 50 years in these categories. So if you're, if you're really new as either a family member to a veteran or or a friend, you can go to our website and you can just look through all these different studies that have been done about how to care for them, what their needs are, what the gaps are. And especially if you're trying to start a new program or something new, you can go on there and see what is, what do they need? What are we missing here? See, that, that leads me into my question because as, as we were talking in the last couple of segments, two things were brought up that 
I, I don't know if there was a difference. So maybe you can help me define this. Is What is the difference between IPV and domestic violence? I'm sure uh, just being a, you know, a guy that's new to this, you know, hearing these two different terms, I, I really don't know what the difference is or if there is a difference. Right. And I think my husband's like that, too. And I think that this is what it comes from. I think when we all hear the term domestic violence, say if you don't work in this realm, you your mind immediately goes to battered, beaten, bruised, hair pulling, physical trauma. And even though that's not what the term actually means that's the perception of our communities on on that so a few years back we all decided to switch to this more i and i i call it an intimate phrase because it really is it's intimate partner violence an intimate partner violence isn't just being physical it can be it can be those batterings beatings hair pulling choking um it also includes marital rape which is a crime in all 50 states which a lot of people don't know and also includes stalking which is coming to someone's work job calling texting unwanted communication and then past that it also includes mental anguish as far as maybe you're dealing with a person who comes home every day, you have a conversation and they say, I never said that. And they every day go through these motions to make you feel as if you're losing your mind. Mm -hmm. Um, Emotional abuse, telling you that you're worthless, telling you that you um, will never amount to anything, that you you're a terrible cook, you're a terrible spouse. Those things are all encompassed into that intimate violence, uh, partner violence term. And we don't really think about those things when we think about the term domestic violence. So that's kind of where the shift is. But in the community of domestic violence advocates, they, they both mean the same thing. Lisa, I would add one thing to your definition. And I would add that control, super amounts of control in terms of letting you go out, setting boundaries that are not reasonable. It's, it's the stalking, the emotional abuse, etc. But there's also some serious psychotic behavior sometimes that can add to this where the vulnerabilities are tapped and control becomes almost complete and someone doesn't even realize that it's happened over an insidious process. I agree. And we, so one, we call that the slow drip, you know, it's Mm -hmm. that little drip in the bucket every Mm -hmm. few days or a few months. Um, And I think that that one's really important in the way that we talk to uh, military related families, because there are going to be some control issues in in the home, most likely with a veteran that has a traumatic brain injury or PTSD. Um, Those things kind of come up naturally. One of the points that we, we try really hard to hit home on is, we, you really need to look at what your veterans diagnosed with and what they're struggling with to determine if what you're facing is intimate partner violence or maybe your your spouse needs some mental help. Um, and that's one thing we do at, at Healing Household 6. We take every one of those cases case by case. We get all of the information, all of the doctor's notes, um, and then we have our mental health team evaluate some of that. Uh-huh. We have licensed clinicians that look through to say, well, is this a case of hypervigilance or is this a case of intimate partner violence? Where is the control line? Mm-hmm. So th- those are really good good things to have to, you know, to be able to tell the difference so that you know how to interact with your partner. Well, and I think it's also important to mention that this can be gender reversed. We're so used to having it be male for female, but it can happen in the opposite direction. 
It can. And we actually have a male caregiver client right now, and we've had some in the past, and their needs are a little bit different. Um, and I think that's just going to be any group that are men and women. But um, that male doesn't necessarily need the peer to peer support and he doesn't necessarily want that. Uh-huh. Um, but what he needs is he, the resources and the tangibles and how do I determine and who do I ask for help and how do I get the VA to talk with me about the concerns I have? Um, and actually right now his wife is going through the strength at home program offered by the VA which, as as you know, and some of your listeners may know, is geared towards anger management, marriage therapy in an intimate partner violence setting. So it absolutely does happen both ways. Mm-hmm. And, and it's With harder the... to understand that way, though, because the men are even less likely to come forward because societally it's rare. It is rare, but I do think that they experience more of what we call the control, emotional, psychological abuse mm-hmm. than uh, than physical abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are physical abuse. We we don't get many of them, but we do get a lot of male caregivers that have been put down for a really long time that their spouses have controlled all of the finances. You know, because when when you're a veteran that's disabled, all your money goes into your name and. So a lot of them don't have access to that. They may have had their caregiver benefits revoked. They may be in a situation where um, their female veteran or or their male veteran um, in that you know in that case has just constantly put them down, and they just feel as if they're trapped. So we do have a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lynn, I'm glad you brought that up. That reverse role because we're seeing you know we're starting to see or we have seen uh, you know women now in more of combat roles. And so with that, they're going to start experiencing the same thing as male soldiers and male veterans do as they come back from these traumatic, uh, you know, they're going to come back with PTSD, TBIs. They're going to come back with injuries. And, you know, where that was more of a traditional, as you were saying, a a female spouse, now we're going to see a male spouse in that role for support. So I'm glad that you have one. And is there there, um, a plan to expand that? To male caregivers, or is there enough uh, enough male caregiver or enough male spouses out there seeking uh, any kind of support from you? In the past five years that we have been have been at Healing Household Six, um, three of that as an organization, we've only had three male caregivers that have come to us. Um, we, we do go to the different seminars, whether it's for Elizabeth Dole or Operation Family Caregiver, um, the Warrior Symposium. So we are out there trying to let male caregivers know that we're here. Uh, what we have found, though, just for our organization, I can't speak for anyone else. Most of the male caregivers that come to us are parents. Mm-hmm. of a, a wounded veteran. So I don't think for yeah. for our 5.5 million, I don't know what that looks like in terms of male spouses, but I don't think there's either one as many that that identify as caregivers, maybe they right. don't identify, mm-hmm. and two, uh, just aren't aware of of the caregiver services that they could utilize once they did identify. So I'm going to step I in further. Made the point. I'm sorry, Les, go ahead. Uh, uh, I was going to say, I, I, I think you mentioned that earlier about guys, you know, you know men typically, they're not going to, you know, try to, they're going to try to handle it themselves, right? I mean, that's just, uh, that's just the way we're built. And so instead of reaching out, they're going to try to handle things themselves. And instead of seeking 
a household six or another group, they probably first just tried to do things themselves. So I don't think we've seen the full, um, uh, a full outreach yet or a guy that's gone to the limit. It's like, I need, I finally need some help. Right. I and I think also it, three to five yeah. years down the road. I think also we have the, most of our male caregivers that we've, that we've met that are spouses, they're in that dual military role. So they're both veterans. So those, those gentlemen may not ever come to us. They might come into online support groups, but, but usually not ours because they don't identify as the caregiver. They still identify as, as a veteran. Well, so you've got a dual identity problem. You don't right. identify as a caregiver, which is very, very common. People just think that's being a spouse. And then you also have, you, you don't often want to admit that this is not just an, a burst of anger or this is not just the PTSD, but that this is actually violence that needs to be addressed or it, it's an untreated medical condition, which can happen. I mean, there's lots of underdiagnosing of TBI and it's often the spouse that identifies, the caregiver who identifies that there's something wrong and help needs to be sought. So there's a lot of identifying that has to take place before people can even give themselves the category that they know to go seek help. Would you agree with that? I do agree with that. And I think that you made a good point about the underdiagnosing because we have seen so many new reports, especially out of Boston University the past mm-hmm. few years, right. that that traumatic brain injury is really the root of what's going on with some of these PTSD issues. And then, mm-hmm. of course, you know, HH6 is very involved with the studies for CTE. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important to to understand if you don't know the diagnosis, it's very hard for us to define what's happening in your home. Well, and so it, imagine how hard it is for them with no knowledge base. Well, just just look at if you don't have any verbal filters because of a, a brain injury, but it's undiagnosed. You just think that person's angry, exactly. and so there's a lot of there's. This is a very complex situation, and so your organization is providing services that will probably help to identify more of these people. And we're hoping that our listeners hear these things and it resonates with them and know that they now have a resource to go to. Again, that website is healinghousehold6.org. We are coming on our final break and we will come back and talk about the goals of Healing Household 6, where they'd like to go next, and how we can be more aware of supporting those who may suffer from violence in the home or knowing how to start a discussion. We'll be right back. Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. This is Toginet, Cutting Edge Radio. Residents of Alligator Point, Florida, discovered a 400-pound gabberlunzi bear raiding their garbage. They called the local wildlife authorities. The officers came out and shot the bear with a tranquilizer dart in order to move him. Unexpectedly, the frightened bear swam out into the water, where it started to drown as the tranquilizer began taking effect. Adam Warwick, an officer from the Wildlife Commission, jumped into action, swimming towards a juggernaut bear, while the other officers tried to figure out how to rescue both of them. Adam was somehow able to grab the bear and paddle 25 yards to the shore, saving the bear's life. The bear was then loaded on a truck and transported back to its home in the forest. What's the word for a last-minute attempt to get something done? A charrette. It's marching 
Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. And I think it's really important that our listeners know how they can be more aware of supporting. I think we shared a lot of information that may spur some conversations at home or make thoughts come together to reach a conclusion that perhaps they hadn't reached before. But how can we make, how can we be more aware of supporting families who may be suffering from something? If you see something, say something is such a phrase we throw about these days uh, in many regards, but how can we be more aware of supporting and, and what's a good way to open that conversation? Sure. And I think that that's a little bit different in military society than civilian society. Just like you said, there may be reasons the veterans acting a certain way. And so if your neighbor, for instance, is a, a wounded warrior and, and has a caregiver and you've noticed some, some screaming and some yelling or anything like that, the first thing that I always suggest people do, if there's, if you haven't seen anything that would make you worry about children in the home, maybe just go over and ask them if you can help them have a break. Maybe if there's anything that you could do to just kind of get to know them so that you can really look at that situation. Now, we don't want anyone out there just assessing domestic violence in their neighborhood. We know that, that that's not, that's <laughs> good, not what we're good asking. Good point to put you on know? the show. Yep. Yeah, we're not asking you to do that, but maybe make a friend. And, and see if the situation is really what you think. Because as, as you stated, Linda, um, and I'll use my husband for an example because he won't mind. My husband has a uh, right, right frontal lobe injury. And sometimes he walks into the cul-de-sac and yells things that are just not something that my neighbors need to hear. <laughs> and so I have to say, Rick, please, please come back in the house. Like, let, let's go do this in the backyard. And so I would love if my neighbor got to know me a little bit more so that I could explain to her that it's not a intimate partner situation and that he has a brain injury that causes this. Right. Or I might, if I am in a situation that might warrant um, calling someone, maybe that friendship could help me reach out. And that's really what it's, what it's about is reaching out to people that you know will help you. So you're saying finding someone who understands you and supports you is probably the best first step that you can take to helping alleviate the situation somewhat. Absolutely. Whether it's your neighbor, peer support, a family member, someone who isn't going to judge your situation because our situations are all are very different as caregivers and, and as veteran families. And so I think that that's the first step is is finding people that can support you and want to do what's best for you rather than just what they think is right. Well, and I think you bring up an incredibly important point, which is that this is a very judgmental and comparison-based society right now. And judgment needs to be suspended in cases where there is such confusion or difficulties or challenges in communication and effort. And I, I think that we all need to take a step back and remember, have courage in opening these conversations, but be kind. Would you agree? I do. And actually, I was telling Les that, um, you know, we have the tabs on the website that it has different studies and articles and things of that nature that we've participated in or that our colleagues have 
a lot from Boston University, mm-hmm. um, a lot from Dr. Casey Taff, who works with intimate partner violence and on brain injuries and, and um, CTE. At least go to some place where you can look through these things and understand what military families go through. Um, you would be surprised that if you read them, that your family's going through some of those things too. And so you can find shared spaces within the community. And even if it's not happening to you, you can at least go there and look and say, oh, well, this happens to my family. Not this, but maybe I can share that with somebody that will understand how I feel. Mm-hmm. We can't judge. There's just too much going on. You cannot be inside someone's mental mind. You can't. And so you can't ever know what they're actually dealing with and struggling with. Absolutely right. So you, Go, Les. You had, uh, you had mentioned finding people in the community that, that support you or that are like you that, you know, uh, would you – have you had much success – with the, the larger VSOs, you know, because VSOs are in communities, whether it's the VFW, American Legion, DAV, they all have their little pubs and their little, you know, their lounges in, in the community. So have you had much success going in, you know, possibly partnering with those or, you know, any well, type of support from in the community? I can only speak for us, of course. Um, I find that Healing Household 6 partnerships come in um, – a little bit different. They, our main partnerships come with the bigger orgs that are that are speaking in front of Congress and working on bills and whatnot. Um, like I had said, Independence Fund, the Elizabeth Dole Foundation. My community support, to be honest, comes a lot from either the Red Cross peer support groups, NAMI support groups, mm-hmm. um, and and things of that nature. Now, the veteran, um, the vet centers have been great to us. And of course, all of those are very different, but the ones that we have had volunteers go into and give our information and, and sat down and have conversations, they've been wonderful. Um, we wouldn't be necessarily the type of organization that would go into the American Legion or um, the local VFW just because we are on that caregiver family side. We Our missions really don't align. So it wouldn't be fair for me to to say that they haven't been cooperative. It's just that we don't really have the same goal. No, and I, and I, no, I didn't want to put you on the spot or anything. Just that when you, when we talked about, you see the neighbor or you see anything, you know, most communities have a, you know, a, a VSO bar in their, in their neighborhood. What I, and my experience walking into those, you know, they're dark, they're gloomy, they're smoky, they smell like yeah. cigarettes. And it's not, it's not a place where you want to be, but then, or when you walk up, I've been to several all around the country, and not this is just not in one. When you go in, they're kind of watching you, you know, and they don't welcome you or anything. So I just wanted to see if that was your kind of. Well, um, I would say in general, yeah, we're not a huge fan of all of the VSO um, areas for the stuff that we focus on, and I think that they become for veterans like a little kind of like a clicky dungeon is what I always imagine. <laughs> um, and and I know that their dungeon. work is, yeah, their work is important, but I'm like, <laughs> at the same time, we find that those places are dealing with so many people that often the people that are supposed to be helping are very burned out. So that's one thing we find. Um, and two, we find that, it really each location kind of has their own idea of what era they serve, even though they don't mean to. So we find a lot of veterans 
um, they kind of feel like they don't fit in. I know my husband, we're from a very small town in New York that has a wonderful VFW. But when he walks in, for instance, it's all Vietnam era. And Mm -hmm. so he talks to those guys. He loves to hear their stories and he'll laugh and he'll grab a drink and have a smoke or a cigar. But he's not getting much out of the VSO job description, I guess is what I mean. So he's getting some peer support with the camaraderie and the jokes, but he wouldn't be able to go in there. He wouldn't feel comfortable going in there to get the support and help he needs for the things that they actually offer, if that makes sense. No, it it absolutely does make sense. And that's my experience as well. You you go into, I've been, like I said, I've been all around the country. I even used to work for one. And that was my experience, exactly what your husband's experience was. You go in there, you love the guys. We we love talking to the vets. I love talking to my brothers, sisters. I love talking to the bartenders. You know, having your your cocktail, your Coke, and, you know, having your cigar, whatever your thing is. But then that's that's about the extent of it. You know, right. uh, so that that's, you know, I would love for that when you were talking about welcoming back into the community. Boy, I really wish that was part of it. You know, that, mm-hmm. Me about, too. You know, they are, they have the ability because they have the reach already to do that. It's just that I think that's a big miss by them. Anyway, that would, so it was just about getting to know your neighbor. That's, that's where all that questioning came from with the BSOs. And it's the exact same experience that I experienced that your husband and you, you have. And I have, I'm going to shamelessly steal clicky dungeons from this point on. I love <laughs> that. that. <laughs> yes. It's the only way I can describe it, you know, and, and we, and we always say, well, you know, we've got these veterans with traumatic brain injury is, you know, the, especially for the nine, nine 11 guys, the new, you know, Agent Orange and the new thing. And so I just, I guess I'm kind of mind blown that we have these brain injuries and we're trying to coerce them to go into a bar and drink and, and that changes the dynamics of the behavior of that person and the families. And I mean, that's a whole nother show, but um, I do think that finding some support in your community, um, especially if you are um, a veteran and a caregiver who have, you know, maybe moved back home to your original place or you've moved to a new city for job opportunities. It really is important to find things that you can identify with civilians with and not just seeking out other veterans and other military spouses or, or siblings or parents because we really need to bridge that divide to get the help that we need. Mm-hmm. It's really important yeah, I, because... I, I... Well, less you've experienced it, you know, when everybody relocates, you start over again. And while military families are used to doing that, finding it when the situation is a caregiver and an injured veteran, it's a lot more difficult for not only them, but the families as well. It is. And there are a lot of organizations out there that host um, that host different events that you can attend. And I encourage people to always check with their Chamber of Com- Commerce or local United Way um, and especially if they're not on social media, because if you're not on social media, you might not have access to those things. But there's um, vettix.org uh, and all of these places give free outings to veterans and their families and a chance for them to meet community members. You know, go to your local chamber of commerce breakfast if you if you have a business at home or all of these little things can help at least just get you out of the house to meet the people in your community that are making decisions. Some of those that affect you and, and your veteran and if nothing else, you might need a friendly face. And that's, I've got a question for you. When you talk about all your peer groups, are they online or in person or both? We do both. Um, currently, we do the online. We have three um, on Facebook, that, and two of those are secret. 
Then we have um, a dem- um, incident partner violence and marriage support group with the Red Cross on their military veteran caregiver network website. Mm-hmm. And then we do, we partner with um, Hearts of Valor to do, um, to help out with, with their team leaders. And I'm mm-hmm. also a team leader for them as well. So we try to do events in, in areas. And then if we find people that are rural, that don't have any support, we will find a team leader there. We will train them and we will have them do peer support in person. Good, because I, I do think there is an advantage to in support, uh, in-person peer support as well as online. I think you, you have to bridge it however works for you. But I, I, we have found with um, our veteran caregiver meetups, they've grown exponentially over the years just organically. They have. Uh, I, we just start them and then the groups carry them on. And it's really phenomenal the way everyone comes together in this community and in similar situation communities. And I'm grateful for that. So Lisa, thank you for sharing what Healing Household 6 does, how you do it, and where to find you. Again, that's healinghousehold6.org. And thank you for giving of your wisdom today. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Les, do you have any last questions you'd like to ask? No, you've, you've been a wealth of information. I absolutely love your organization. You're, you know, helping the caregivers. It, Thank you. It, thanks for de- defining that as well. I think that's a, a big miss. And, you know, anything to help our veterans and family members, you know, be successful uh, in the in the transition life after the military is just a big deal, something I've been working with for the last uh, decade. So thank you for all you do. Oh, thank you so much. It was so nice to talk with you guys today. We'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com. And in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance your 